0: Welcome back to Leaders Recon. Today we're talking about the Reserve Component National Security course with Major Tangen, a graduate. Now before we dive into your experiences at RCNSC, I think I got that right. Yes. um, Can you tell us a fun fact about yourself?
1: So, uh, fun fact, um, if you go onto YouTube and search, where in the world is Osama bin Laden, and you watch the trailer, you may or may not see me on there. Oh really? Yeah. So I had an opportunity when I was in Afghanistan um, with the Task Force Phoenix mission with the Forty First Brigade huh. from Oregon National Guard. So woohoo, go Jungleers! Um, I had an opportunity to do a media embed with um, Morgan Spurlock. So he did the film Super Size Me, and he also did the film um, Where in the World Is Osama Bin Laden? So I got to take him out to huh. um, out in the field, and uh, he he fires off an RPG in that and. That RPG, here's the other interesting fun fact with that. That RPG um, was actually given to me by the Afghan National Army commander. He said, hey, you want to fire this? You know, we've really enjoyed having you here. Um, Do you want to fire this? And I was like, oh,
0: yes, 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 yes.
1: I was so excited. And um, here comes uh, Morgan Spurlock's producer. He's like, you know, this would be really, really awesome if Morgan could fire that. And I'm like... He sent me a case of wine to my house oh, really? so when I came home from deployment I had a case of wine and I was like you know what I think it was worth it so I didn't get to shoot off an RPG and so that's still kind of on the bucket list would be kind of fun to do but yeah.
0: So yeah that's 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 a whole so you see have a whole whirlwind of experience here including graduating from RCNSC.
1: RCNSC, yeah. So, it's the, yeah, that's just the most recent exciting thing that's happened in my world. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fun.
0: So, I don't really know a lot about the RCNSC. Is that the right, right the acronym? There, yes. man, there we go. So, I don't really know a lot about the course yet. I kind of have some vague ideas. I know it's a two-week program. Um, you know, can you give us an overview, I guess? Like, what is, what does it mean?
1: So the Reserve Component National Security course is a um, two-week course put on by the National Defense University and it is a wonderful and unique opportunity. It's by far one of the best courses and and grandest opportunities I've had in well over 25 years in uniform. So I was really excited to get to to start it because of the the little brief write-up that y'all put out, but actually when it started I was just stoked. It is. It gets you out of your current comfortable level, where you know we a lot we operate in that tactical and operational level, and it definitely makes you think up and out. So um, it's a two week course that's non attribution. They bring in they uh, NDU brings in guest lectures from all sorts of different government think tanks and different backgrounds. Some are from the um, from the Army War College. They're from all over and they have certain levels of expertise. They're, they're well published, um, lots of years of experience in their specific area. So, um, during the course, uh, we had a couple of lectures every day, two to three lectures every day. And then we had a, um, about day three, we talked about what is, what is the outcome? What are we going to do? What is our deliverable for this? If you will, what's our learning experience? So we, um, got an inject and so it was a scenario and then it was hey based upon the information that you're getting from this class and the national security strategy the national defense strategy the current ones at the time how how would you recommend we go about approaching this problem and one of the cautions that they gave us was you know don't look at the world as the nail you're a hammer and the world's all nails you know make sure that that you are not just using the military as um, as your only approach because you have the entire dime uh, at your disposal and what what kind of avenues and how do how do we balance those things
0: so before we, i guess we dive into like that course piece of it you want to give us a quick overview of like uh you know so who can attend the course
1: so it was, I believe it was 04 and above, okay. um, and I think E7 or E8 and above. I can't, don't hold me on the on the NCO side. I just know that I, I qualified and I was able to go. So. Um,
0: what kind of, what, what, yeah, what was your class? What was the makeup class of the class? So
1: um, it was reserve component personnel. So there was um, Army Air, there was Coast Guard there as well. So it's not just DOD. Um, Army Air, we had some Marines. Um, so reserve and national guard, and um, so the the background was just a, an array of different people. So we had some of uh, some of our in my cohort, we had um, a guy that worked for the state department, another guy that worked for the FBI, um, and then a few AGRs, and you know just some other people who had different, very different backgrounds. maybe a teacher here and there, um, and they were uh, law all law enforcement. They
0: were team. all in. DOD in some form or fashion, or they were from those agencies.
1: Um, they they were a reserve component
0: member member. Okay,
1: so um, whether they were Coast Guard Reserve or Coast Guard full time Coast Guard, um, but affiliated with the so like an AGR equivalent. Um, and then we had another guy from uh, from Sweden. So from the National Defense University equivalent in Sweden. Oh really? Um, so he was a member of our team and I, I just happened to be lucky enough that he was, he was on our, uh, in my little breakout session. So, um, yeah, we had varying backgrounds. So we all had a little bit of time to get to know one another and find out what areas of expertise were there.
0: Yeah. So I guess that led me right into my next question, which is like, sounds like a whole variety of backgrounds yes. coming into the course, you know, for those in our audience who, you know, may be interested in attending or, um, You know looking at in the future attending in the future you know who are the people that you would recommend like should attend the course like is there a specific mos or skill set or functional area that is more applicable than others
1: no i think i don't i don't think that at all it is not narrowly focused it is not um so if like for instance i'm an ag officer Mm -hmm. um we don't really do a lot of strategy or as you know, a lot of it, we don't do a lot of plans either, um, really, if you're, if you're a true AG officer, you tend to live in regulations and personnel policy. Um, so there is no specific background. It's just, do you want to get more out of your military career? Do you want to learn more? Do you want to be bigger? Do you want to have a better understanding of the people that make decisions and advise our senior leaders in government and senior leaders at at all different levels? So how do we come up with these solutions? You know, you hear about something on the news, and this kind of gives you a little peek under the curtain as far as what happens behind the scenes and what happens when there's an international level incident overseas. Do we have any equities in that? What are our interests in those areas? And then how do we come about devising what the United States response to that incident Well, be? I
0: guess that's why they call it a broadening assignment, right?
1: Absolutely. It definitely, um, it was definitely broadening. And it was refreshing too, because... Um, you know, being in for a, a, a day or two, like I have been, um, you just kind of get tired of the same old thing, or you can get tired of the same old thing. You know, tactics and and you know, I just got finished up with AOC, and you know, your professional military military education is really focused on army, army doctrine, army policies, army procedures, tactics. Um, this was. T- how do we fit into the big scheme and it was it was absolutely exciting and and intriguing and it definitely required you shut off that tactical mindset and flip on these other other areas of thought that maybe you don't affiliate with your military duty
0: so did you know that going into the course was that your expectation or
1: a little bit because the write-up that you all have in in the um the, the broadening opportunities, that little, I don't know, packet that yeah, they got. I, guess
0: I, I Can I do my little Absolutely. shameless plug here for those in our audience who are listening in? We got a new website um, nationalguard.mil slash leaderdevelopment and we actually published so we link with the with the new catalogs and all the broadening opportunities are there as well as eventually this podcast so.
1: Well fantastic. So um yeah, so that was your little broadening opportunities catalog I guess is what you called it. Yeah. So, um. I saw that in there. I happened to be walking by, and um, Mr. Fritchie, who I used to work with in iBranch branch, said, "Hey, you know, are you interested in this? You, you really need to think about this." So I was, "Heck yeah, sign me up. This looks, this looks awesome." Um, anytime you have an opportunity to get get outside of your comfort zone is is a grand grand thing to do. So um, timing was right, and I was able to go, and I was really, like I said, really thrilled to be able to be a part of it. But then when I actually got into the course, it was It was even more than i i actually had expected it was it was amazing the speakers that they bring in are just top shelf like very big thought processes and they um it's a non-attribution course so you can't quote your instructors you don't get any products to take with you um so you really get their unfiltered opinions thoughts and ideas and you can interact and ask questions and really be able to pick the brains of some of these Otherwise, inaccessible people. So it was a, it was a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's like it's almost like you're like taken to a whole different scene than you would normally be in.
1: Absolutely, it's not like it is absolutely that is you are in a whole different scene, if you will.
0: So, I guess that takes us back to you were giving us kind of the overview. You mentioned there was is it broken up into phases or how does that work? You- so
1: it's it's two weeks Um you do. Uh, you you do your lectures and then at, like, like I said in the midway um, about Tuesday or Wednesday of the first week you get um you get the scenario and our scenario was um two aircraft collided one was Russian one was Swedish military aircraft both of them um what are you guys going to do about it so we sit back and we Read the the entire scenario, and we understand what's going on in the region. What are our, our, the United States, what are our interests in the region? What are our allies' interests Mm. in the region? Um, You know, peace and stability and Russian encroachment and all sorts of different pieces fall into place there. So as the week progressed, we got more and more injects.
0: And you're doing this as a class?
1: Um, so in the lectures, we all sat in the in the lecture classroom and it was all done virtually. It was their first time doing this virtually, um, which is absolutely not the most ideal, but it was still really awesome. So if if you can't go in person and it's still a virtual opportunity, it's definitely well worth it because they do it. They did it just a fantastic job. So then we, we would break out. So you're designated into groups one through eight, I think, is what what we had. So I was in. I don't know group five or six or whatever so we were we did our breakout sessions and it was all done on teams so we would log on or no I'm sorry it was done on blackboard so we would log out of one blackboard classroom log in on another blackboard classroom and that's where we conducted our breakouts. And
0: how big like about is the small group that you were in?
1: I think there was 12.
0: 12 okay. okay so so it was pretty like
1: small, small, small enough to be intimate, where you had enough time to get along and, and and get to know each other and um, and interact with with your counterparts and and really be able to leverage that have a have an open dialogue. So dialogue was facilitated in especially in the virtual environment. But um, even I think that's the same format that they have when they do it um, in person. It's about twelve people per breakout group. Um, and so in our breakout group, what we would do is one person would do. A brief back a summary on the lecture, mm-hmm. and um, then we would have a, a really good dialogue as far as well, what do you think this means? And it was student led rather than facilitator led. Okay, so um, our facilitator kind of on the first one said, Okay, here's kind of how this is gonna go, and we had this really great open dialogue. So you have again people with all different backgrounds um people the the guys from the state department and from the fbi were absolutely invaluable and then our scenario was sweden so here we are so lucky (laughs) as to have the ndu you know an ndu equivalent swedish instructor there and he gave us a lot of perspective that we maybe wouldn't have thought of Mm -hmm. and so we have you know our egocentric and ethnocentric Ideals when when we look at a problem and he was able to kind of challenge that and validate others So it was just a, it was a fantastic opportunity to have those dialogues so every t- time we had a lecture somebody would come back and do the brief back and then we'd start that dialogue and Then we would talk about the injects and we would get three a day
0: Injected inject
1: is... th- into the scenario. So kind of like like if you're I'm doing a warfighter, okay? You're like, okay here's the scenario oh here's an inject here's what else is happening so they were articles um like new pieces of articles. information absolutely or... okay. some some of them different different forms so some of them were news articles some of them were um uh you know
0: and this is all policies. crafting your response that you're absolutely creating. In, in in this response are you are you briefing that as like a like a national security action to take like as if yes. you're part of the NSC or?
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So you, you, wow, you've done a lot of research on that. Well, just
0: really, well, so we had another podcast where we had a member of the, like a staffer from the National Security Council come on and talk about his experiences. So I guess.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was all together. Very much like that. So um, we had, we talked about um, the scenario and what our response was gonna be. um, And we had two two instances where we would brief and we would develop a brief we designated our briefers for our team, and then they went into a different classroom and briefed other students Okay. and their briefers. So we just kind of switched. switched around. And then we would give them feedback on their their approach. And well, have you thought about this? And what about this? And ask them questions and, and kind of prepare. So we came up with a couple of, it wasn't really course of action development, but it was mm-hmm. like that. Um, not, definitely not at, at the detail level that we're we're used to in a tactical, um, situation or even an operational situation this was definitely at that hey here's here's an idea and we could go this way and we could probably leverage this and they never did want us to get into all of the the down in the weeds and hey how are you going to do how are you going to carry out these sanctions you have said you want to do sanctions how are you going to carry out these sanctions how are you going to um, you know use a military show of force how are you going to leverage that it was hey we have these things at our disposal we recommend that we explore using these and m- like big
0: broad stroke pictures
1: absolutely and it was it, like i said it was it was really interesting to be able to go oh wow we didn't have to go through the entire mdmp process and and go oh gosh scratching our head and taking hours and hours and hours it's really big picture broad strokes and it's definitely outside of our comfort zone because we're drilled on that in all of our pme is you know, mdmp and how do you how do you develop an order and how do you develop uh, a course of action and this is very different.
0: Well, and that kind of brought me up to, you know, what I was hoping to lead into with my next couple of questions, which was focused around dime. We've we, On the podcast here, our audience, that they've been listening in, last few times have probably heard because we've we talked about it with the State Department, we've talked about it, National Security Council, and you mentioned it here now too again. How did your experience at the Reserve Component National Security Course change your perspective when it comes to looking at dime?
1: Well, it... It let me, it just reminded me of the fact that M is one piece of the big picture and military intervention, there's ways that we can project soft power and hard power and it doesn't always have to be conflict. And understanding where you fit in the overall picture um, is, I think it's important and it's humbling because a lot of times we as military leaders be very, we are very military focused. Well by golly, we can do this. And, and it's not necessarily the best option. Um, and sometimes it's a, it's an option of, of last resort. But yeah. there are also other things specifically guard-related that we can leverage, like our state partnership program. Mm-hmm. And that is a very useful program um, in the dime catalog, if you will, of things that we can do and, and influence p- peace and, and foster positive relationships across the globe. and. Hey, you know, make sure that we, that was, that was ours. There was a couple of guardsmen and we were like, okay, make sure we talk about state partnership program. That's, (laughs) that's a good thing that we do. And it's not, it's not just going to war. It's not offensive um, operations, decisive operations. So that part of it was very, um, it was good to know that, Hey, and a lot of the other people in the program knew about the state partnership. And, um, one of our lecturers actually brought up state partnership and I was like, awesome.
0: Yeah, so how did that apply? So in your scenario, you mentioned earlier, you talked about Swedish Russian aircraft, uh, mill to mill collision there. Um, How did that play out? What was your recommendation? Can you talk about that? So
1: it was, um, yeah, everything was unclassified. So the whole thing obviously was conducted in an unclassified setting. So, um, and it's a notional scenario, but um, we talked about using SPP to, help in other areas because, um, Russian encroachment and wanting to control and show their force in different areas. And how do it's not just Sweden that's affected, but it's all the neighboring countries and how do we leverage our state partnership in those, in those areas of the region and reinforce that, Hey, the United States is here and we're here to help you. Um, so we're going to make sure that, that you are not, um, that there's not too much pressure put upon you that
0: you being the countries yeah
1: yeah like the other countries you know so you know we're here to help you out and help train you and and to be there and be there as a as a presence and believe it or not the the united states military presence is a very strong it's a strong signal and just having our presence in the region it reinforces our um the united states's commitment to our allies Mm -hmm. it um it's a very strong like i said soft power tool so um, it was, it was nice that they, they mentioned it. So, and we, we, we use that in our, in our, you know, not specifically with Sweden, but in the, in some of the smaller surrounding areas.
0: Well, and that's another thing you mentioned kind of piggybacking off of that was, you know, you mentioned the national security strategy and the national defense strategy tying into how you're making decisions for the small group. I know that we've got this new, you know, kind of interim guidance for national security strategy. Um, you know, how, familiar did you become with those documents while you're in the course or was that you know kind of expected before you came to the course or
1: well um if you've read those those documents you know that it's all very very high level oh, yeah. stuff um and you're like huh you go back and read it again and and read it again then read it again and um it's it was uh required reading beforehand um we also had uh, a, a paper that we had to turn in based upon a scenario and, and you had to write, you know, kind of what your idea was. Um, so they wanted to make sure you were able to articulate and have, you know, some complex thought and, and that you were really mentally prepared going into the course. But so the National Defense Strategy, National Security Strategy. And then one of our lecturers actually sat on the team that wrote the last um, National Security Strategy. Oh, really? Okay. So, you know, he was um, on President Trump's staff or team, if you will, that that composed that document. And he walked us through how how does that come into play and how is it written and how long does that process take? And um, it takes a while Um, and to make sure that we, you know, if we're going to go into a bold new direction, how do we shape things and not like divorce ourselves completely from something, Um, you know, just for continuity and stuff. And it was like I said, it was a very intimate look.
0: because I'm sure everyone else in the world kind of wants us to have some sort of consistency too, right?
1: You would think, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe they don't. Maybe maybe China and Russia don't. Who who knows? Yeah. But, um, yeah. I definitely our allies want to make sure that you know we're going to continue to be um, a global partner and and continue doing the things that we do good across the globe.
0: So you mentioned a ton of things here that you kind of learned throughout the course mm-hmm. of it. You know what you know. What was that one thing that really struck struck you? As a surprise, or you didn't expect it to learn going into it.
1: So um, it was really interesting. We talked about Russia, we talked about China, we talked about India, um, and the people that came in and lectured us gave us lectures on on those were um, thinkers in those areas, you know, uh, well published writers. But one area that I thought, how come I hadn't even thought about this is the Arctic, and how contested the Arctic is now and how more, much more it's going to become contested um, simply because of um, climate change and the melting of the, the polar ice caps and the, inner, the, the waterways and stuff broadening and what is out there that what are those resources that can be harvested from those areas and what are the environmental impacts and who's going to co- own that and who, who says it's theirs like Russia c- claims most of the Arctic if not all of the Arctic. and
0: You're talking about both poles or?
1: uh, No, just the the North Pole, yeah. Yeah. So um, not Antarctica, the Arctic, yep. Okay, so yeah, it was really interesting. I I hadn't really ever thought of the Arctic, ever. Mm -hmm. And it is gonna be one of those areas, potentially contested areas in the globe. And it's not something that we give a whole lot of thought to.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously I, I never, (laughs) <laughs> never thought about it at all yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one because <laughs> I, I I was like huh, wow I, I just it, it had never crossed my mind and when I saw it on the schedule I was like what are we going to talk about And then when they started peeling back the onion as far as what all is there and why is it important it it definitely made me think outside of of my own self and outside of all of my experiences and going Wow! So now, anytime I see the Arctic come up in in the news, I'm like, "Oh, I want to read this. I want to see what's going on there." Huh. So it, it definitely sparks an interest in a in a different area.
0: So I guess you know, ba- you know, looking at people who are interested in attending the course, mm-hmm. um, you've given us a lot of information for you, for the audience here on you know what they can expect, kind of the flow of the course, what kind of things you talked about in your experience. Um, you know, maybe I'm not quite at the O4 level or that E8 level that's required to get into the course, though, but I want to prep myself so that, you know, I, I can get into, you know, this unique broadening opportunity. What are some of your recommendations for that?
1: Well, um, read read what you can, because there's all sorts of books out there, um, and not just the strategy documents, but get get yourself some historical context. Um, read about the conflicts um, that we've gone through as a as a globe, you know, World War One, World War Two and understanding how those global things that happen, like now something's going on over here and something's going on over here and now they're all connected. How how does that interconnection really work? So, um my husband is is a big historical nerd. Like he, it reads all these things. I'm like, how do you remember that? So he's like my my go to and Google. And he's really taught me a lot and really sparked my interest in history and historical context and how you know one conflict leads to another and how did we get involved in this conflict? And if you have an understanding of how we get into conflict and what what are those dime decisions that were made, um. Prior to armed conflict, what happened? That like and,
0: competition phase that you're talking about um, a little bit? Yeah,
1: or... yeah, Contest and, and competition, and yeah, and where are we? That was another thing we got learned of where we are in that spectrum, and that was really interesting. And and to have some historical context um, and not just be living in the current current world, you've got to know where we came from and know what else is out there, and and have you you're better able to frame things. So read books, um, not just on on leadership, but uh, read books that um, talk about how leaders come to those decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for instance, right now, I'm reading The Accidental President. It's a book about uh, how Harry Truman's first four months in office as the president. And uh, Harry Truman was a guardsman. I don't know if you are aware of that. You should be your Missouri, uh, Missouri Guardsman. Missouri. So, um, yeah, President Truman was a um, he was a, a commission officer in in the Missouri Guard and he he wore the uniform in World War One. And so, you know, how did how did that frame his decisions and what was it like hmm. being in the four, first four, yeah. four months? So anything, any time that you can read a book that gives you historical context, not just from a military standpoint, but you know, from a, a an executive, if you will. You know, that that's one just one one of the many ways. But reading those books, you got to read. And I am probably the worst person for that. You know, I've kind of finally is sinking in. You know, all the all the senior leaders tell you, you got to read, you got to read, you got to read. And now I'm finally able to to read. You know, you get your master's degree done, you get all this education done. It's like, wow, I can open a book for pleasure. i um, you know, and Audible is one of those amazing things that, that you can take advantage of. So there's all sorts of those kind of books out there. And read a little of history and a little strategy and a little... Um,
0: Do you have any... So you, you mentioned the accidental...
1: The accidental president. The, the accidental president. The, yes, the accidental president, yes.
0: So you mentioned that. Is there any other specific uh, recommendations you have for sources that maybe our audience could pick up?
1: Um. Well, the, just kind of from a... Hey, this is a this is a good book or a good audible out there. Um, Never split the difference is a great book. It's okay. about negotiating, um, and it's it's really good in personal uh, conflict resolution. So negotiating, like if ev- something as simple as buying a car, or um, negotiating with. <laughs> with your children, if you will, <laughs> which is always fun. I have a, a three-year-old and a, or a two-year-old and a, and a five-year-old, and it is a challenge. So, you know, the, the guy that wrote that book uh, did hostage negotiations. So oh, it's, really? yeah, there's some similarities there. If you have children, you know what I mean. Are they uh, um, holding
0: you hostage, ma'am, this doing this?
1: <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes. So, um, so yeah, any anything like that, I definitely recommend that... Um, You know, you you listen to podcasts. This is this is a great forum. Um, Go out there and use the technologies that that is at your disposal. Um, Not everybody has time and or the desire to sit down and read, but there are all sorts of opportunities to gather information and to learn. Um, Be careful of your sources, of course. But um, like another one that you and I had mentioned earlier was the the Jacko Willink the Jacko podcast. I get a lot of book ideas from books that Jacko does a review on and then Mm. he does he'll bring on an author and then get some historical context and then talk about their personal life and that is a great that's i've gotten a couple of book leads from there so not just the chief of staff of the army don't don't just look in oh hey this is the army this is what the army tells me to read talk to talk to senior leaders find out what if you have a mentor out there find out look at the books on their desk well
0: yeah i mean you mentioned this earlier kind of when we were talking before the podcast a little bit on you know how you know, most of the guard is M day soldiers, and we all live and work in the civilian world mm-hmm. in some capacity. I mean, both of us have, for, yes. at some period, were straight up M day soldiers, and so yes. I guess yeah, yeah. For those in our audience who you know they're they're not a full time guardsman, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they have another career somewhere. You know how how do you, how does the information you got from the reserve component national security course you know impact those civilian guardsmen in their civilian workplace?
1: Well, um it's a very cerebral course it's it's a course that makes you think and what it does is it it turns another light switch on in another area of your of your thinking Mm -hmm. and that is what makes guardsmen very desirable as as employees as potential employees um when when i was in the civilian workforce one of the best selling points and this was in you know post 9-11 Wow, you're military. There is an expectation of excellence out there. Not only ability for complex thought, concise decision-making, you're on time, you're reliable, you're loyal, all of those things. And this is just one more thing that I can take. And I understand uh, historical context. I understand now diplomatic context. I understand what's going on in the government. So if your civilian job, um, let's say I worked at a gold mine. Or, or for a gold mining company, um, Newmont Mining. Hmm. Um, yeah, so you know very, everybody has a civilian yeah. like, oh, wow. Is that is
0: that, really that your fun gold? fact? That My fun <laughs>
1: fact. That's one of one of the many that uh, that make Major tangan unique. You no, know? um, so I worked for for Newmont Mining, and when we think about okay, precious metals, we were very gold centric. Mm-hmm. So where do we find gold? You know, you find it. There's gold in Africa. There's gold in South America. There's gold in Australia. There's gold in Canada. Um, And then what are the diplomatic things going on in the government? And if you understand what those political, um, economical, um, the military situation, what is the infrastructure like, all of those um, plays, all those things, you better understand the operational world. So I did um, accounting for um, capital investments for Newmont Mining. Um, But I also dealt a lot with the exploration people. So I wish I knew then what I know now from this course, because I would have understood a lot of the things that were going on um, from an environmental standpoint. What, what is the political environment that you're operating in? Um, so this is just another another thing to um, not just expand your own mind, but to really be able to um, provide one more layer of, of service to your employer. Um, just making you more valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, getting outside of... Just the normal stuff that you do, and turning on another area of your brain is absolutely invaluable.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for absolutely. that's a lot of information, <laughs> but I'm sure that uh, you know I learned a lot, so that's a good, always a good thing.
1: Absolutely, uh, I just I wanted to say one more thing. Uh, um, being in uniform as long as I have, I've been a, been an M day person. I was 14 years M day before I came on a- AGR, and. The old-timers used to say you know what never turn down an opportunity to attend a course ever if the army's going to send you something say yes and this was one of those and i am so glad that i did i've never turned down a course opportunity in the army and it has been absolutely fantastic so whenever they're out there say yes or even just go out there and find out what other opportunities there are because your catalog has so many broadening opportunities that Appeal to different people at different times in their life, and look to see what are you eligible to attend, and put yourself out there because there are so many great things, and it's not just for what it does for you in the uniform, but what does it do for you um, in your life, in your in your civilian career? What what else can you lend yourself to? And when you focus on that, that catalog is just an endless opportunity. Well, yeah,
0: and and I guess for those of our audience who you know are wondering what she's referring to the catalog. Uh, The institutional training branch here at National Guard Bureau put out a catalog, but we also host that catalog. Where the same place we can find a podcast online, and so, um, so yeah, there's a ton of information there. I actually went through it the other day, just for myself to kind of look at, like, okay, you know, they were asking for, like, you know, what do you want to do over the next, you know, ten years or whatever for your military career, and you know, there's some super unique opportunities there that I, I think are super. Uh, transferable to the private sector, like, you know, like you just mentioned here, but mm-hmm. there's the fellowship program over there at, like, Harvard, um, and oh, some yeah. of those, like, cool opportunities for guardsmen that, you know, I don't feel like a lot of people have that situational awareness for.
1: Yeah, and, you know, so Center for Army Leadership, as well as the National Guard, um, lead- it's not even Center for Army Leadership anymore, but it, the, the division formerly known as, and what you all have done is really looked at what can we do for our National Guardsmen, for our M-Day force. And this is really a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff is designed for the M-Day force to um, really help you in your military career as well as your civilian career. And they bring in a lot of just tremendous thinkers. These people that they bring in, it's not a waste of time. It's not, you're not going to get death by PowerPoint. You're going to have access to brilliant, brilliant people that may challenge your thoughts, may challenge your your current stances or your understanding of a certain area. And that's always a good thing. Anytime you have friction, you're going to have better understanding on the on the back end of it. So that was that was absolutely invaluable. I, I love that part of the course. So um, but all those that whole catalog is full of those kind of opportunities. So definitely have anybody should take advantage of it. Everybody should take advantage of it and use that career map and go, where do I wanna go and plug plug some of those in because these aren't one and done. Like this national security, uh, the reserve component, RCNSC our, our has been ongoing for several years. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's definitely something you could plug in to your five or 10 year plan. Yeah, pretty easily. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Thank you again, ma'am. I feel like I've learned a ton um, and I definitely at some point, you know, in the distant future, want to attend this course. Definitely so it's not uh, too
1: distant. But yeah, I, I definitely would recommend if, if for for you specifically for commissioned officers, um, get ILE done. Um, so if, if you have an opportunity to go to resident CGSC, that's that's one thing. But if you're like um, the rest of the force that you do your your yeah, ILE well, and, and then don't you have do the AOC, time, yeah. so AOC, um, you could do this course while you're doing AOC because they dovetail in very nicely. Um, but, uh, if you're an, ins- if you are an, a graduate of the RCNSC, there's also an opportunity if you're a Lieutenant Colonel to apply to be, um, a, a facilitator. So, oh, really? okay. yeah, so our instructor, or our facilitator was a former RCNSC um, student graduate. So it, it's, there's all sorts of these opportunities that you don't even know are out there until you get to a course.
0: Well, thank you so much, fam.
1: You bet. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed today, please visit our social media pages in the links below. Tune in to Leaders Recon over the next few weeks as we bring in today's leaders and pioneers to discuss their experiences, share their wisdom, and help you grow as a leader. If you like this episode of Leaders Recon, please don't forget to subscribe below and leave us a five-star review. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.